You are Locked On Northwestern, your daily podcast on the Northwestern Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, folks. We have a crossover locked on Northwestern Wildcats and locked on Golden Gophers. We got to do it. We got to give you the best of both worlds here Absolutely. at the Locked On Podcast Network. Are you excited, Carter? I am, man. I am. I always enjoy having these uh, crossover episodes. I think it gives uh, our fan base kind of a unique look at uh, kind of both teams and gives you a full, all encompassing picture. And I'm glad to. Glad to be here today, man. Yeah, man, I'm here for it. I'm excited for it. So we're going to do this show. We're going to have some questions from the Northwestern side of things, and then we'll do the second. We'll do the reverse, vice versa, and get it both ways. So let's kick this thing off. Let's dive in. All right. Well, I guess I'll I'll start first, then I'll uh, ask some, some, some questions here. Uh, and kind of want to start out like this season feels so interesting for Minnesota because it started so red hot and blowing the doors off everybody. Then you kind of got in that little rut in the middle and then you've figured it out here the past couple weeks. Maybe last week wasn't the prettiest of wins. Kind of where, where are Minnesota fans right now? What's the uh, temperature of how this season has gone? Boy, that is the money question right there, because if you polled fans, you'd probably get a 50% reaction of everyone freaking out and panicking and saying this is a failure and PJ Fleck is crazy and he's failed in year six and all that. And then you get some realistic folks that are like, look, we dropped games we shouldn't have, but the sky is not falling. There's still ways to get right and have a successful season. There's still the tiniest, the tiniest, slimmest chance that they could walk away with the West. Now, am I counting on that? No, but there's still hope. You can still have a successful yeah. season with possibly 10 wins. If you go out here and win out and get a bowl game. So, you know, it's, it's your typical reaction from fans. It's either everything is terrible and we should fire everyone or there's some realism to it as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you want to talk about slim scenarios where a team can come away with the Big Ten West. I still think there's like a one in a billion like scenario <laughs> where, where where Northwestern can win it at four and eight. But uh, kind of I know that, that there's been some some injury issues this year with with Minnesota. Some big names have kind of been in, in and out of the uh, lineup. Chris Ottman Bell's been he's out for the whole season. How mm. has that kind of altered the the trajectory of the season and how how did that play into that three game lo losing streak in the middle of the schedule i definitely think it had a major impact i think that maybe it's an impact that people haven't realized as much as how much of a threat chris Amon bell was for us in the passing game uh, especially because it's not like he was just a a niche receiver that only could do good route running or only could do 50 50 balls. Like he was a full package, complete receiver that helped the other receivers that complimented him. So when we needed something in a big spot in a big, we needed a big play that was Tanner Morgan's go-to. That was the man he trusted and things would just happen. So the fact that that got taken away, then when you start to find the adversity, you start to find the difficulties um, after that Michigan State game when you start playing some tougher defenses and the confidence goes down, you don't have that security blanket and it mm -hmm. impacts how the offense runs. Now, 
when we can't pass the ball and the quarterback doesn't have trust in receivers and things like that, and they can add an extra hat to the box to try to stop the run game, that makes things a lot more difficult. And that's where we saw a lot of issues, self-inflicted wounds in that three-game losing streak that hopefully they've slowly been correcting and building that confidence back up. We've been seeing it gaining, especially with that backup quarterback, Ethan Kaliak Manis coming in last week. Gophers fans got really excited because it felt like the passing game came back. There you go. Well, that's kind of been the story of the week, hasn't it? There, the starting quarterback has not been announced. So, if you were gonna, if you were going to, I guess, make a bet on who who starts, who is it, and how does that change the the, the dynamic of this game? Man, it is is the question for sure. And I think if you ask Gophers fans what they want, they would say they want Ethan Kaliak Manis in there, and I would too, just based on what he did last week, but also. You got to prep for next season. He's going to be the guy next year. And our schedule next year has Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, North Carolina. Those are some big opponents that you don't want to throw a quarterback out there who hasn't gotten some real, true, tested experience in there. So I'm hoping. And if I had to put money down, if I had to say, you know what, here's $10. My best bet is Ethan. I think Ethan is the guy here because the cat's out of the bag. He went off last week. He sparked at least new life into the offense in that second half. And it opened up the ground game for Mo once there was the threat of the quarterback running, which I think brings to the table. But also the intermediate and deep shots that we saw from him were far greater. The percentage in plays past the nine yards or past the line of scrimmage was a complete 360. I mean, I believe Ethan's passes, he was like 60 or more percent that were 10 yards or further in Tanner's passes in that game. I believe 75% were from the line of scrimmage to nine yards. So like, it's just a completely different passing game with Ethan in there. And I think now that it's the cat's out of the bag and we've seen it firsthand. If he goes back to Tanner, although Tanner has done so much for this team, I think you, you're going to really rile up this fan base. Fair enough. Speaking of you, you mentioned Mo, Mo Ibrahim in there. He's having another heck of a year. I believe he's hit a hundred yards in every game. Like how much of a difference difference maker is he? And it feels like kind of as he goes, the offense goes. Oh, absolutely. Mo being back from that Achilles injury has been major for this team. Um, I like to call him Mamba Mo. He came back from the Achilles just like uh, Kobe Bryant did. So that's that's how important he is to this team, how Kobe was to the Lakers. That's how important Mo Ibrahim is to this offense because running in the ground and pound game is the heart of this team. Yes, you want to get more vertical passing game going to open that up. But when it comes to what PJ Flex team has been in his time, It's the run game. It's ground and pound. And Mo just does it different. He Mm -hmm. always is falling forward for extra yards. He's always breaking tackles or making people miss tackles. And even though he might not get an 80-yard touchdown run, he'll likely pop off for 8 yards, 10 yards, 12 yards, 5 yards, and then get like a 20-yard gain. And so it's just like he wears teams down. Kind of shifting focus to the other side of the ball, I guess this will be my uh, last question because we've spent most of the time talking about the offense. But the Minnesota defense, in a lot of stats, they're unbelievable, like top 10 in in the country in in some places. But then you have some stats like sacks and tackles for a loss. How are they managing to be so good on defense without forcing 
that many negative plays? And then who are some people that Northwestern fans should should keep an eye on in this one on Saturday? Yeah, the secondary has been a huge strong suit for this Gophers team. Uh, they call it the no-fly zone, and it has been that. It has been very tight when it comes to coverage. And so I think that's how they've been able to thrive, even though we haven't had very much success in creating pressure, is that we're getting a lot of coverage sacks. We're getting a lot of basically the quarterback doesn't have any options. And then even though he has 10 seconds of time, he's not having anybody open. He's forcing bad passes, bad decisions, and that helps the Gophers get off the field quicker. The biggest issue where the Gophers had problems, especially in that losing streak, was the lack of pressure. And then when people found success in the quick passing game and would force missed tackles. So that is the key against this Gophers defense. If you can force missed tackles and you can get that quick passing game going, Mm -hmm. you might have more success than some of those other teams that weren't able to get that. Names to keep in mind, definitely the safety pairing of Tyler Newbin and Jordan Howden. I think they're the best safety combo in the big 10. Tyler Newbin's going to play on Sundays. That dude is special. Um, the DBs are pretty good. Terrell Smith, AKA T time is our best man coverage cornerback uh, out there. So whoever that best wide receiver is, you'll probably see Terrell on him for most of the game, but Really, you can attack this D-line as far as we don't create pressure and we don't get sacks. So if you can find a way to stretch the quick passing game, you might find success. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that kind of sums it up on my end as far as the uh, questions that, that that I have. But, uh, yeah, no, I think that that's definitely some some fascinating things to, to, to keep an eye on from a Northwestern pr- perspective. Yeah, and we're definitely, I got to get the the flip side of this going too. But first, we got to talk to you about our friends over at Upside. They're sponsoring this episode and bringing it to you. And so, you know, you pay for gas, you pay for groceries. Why not get money back on those things? If you're going to go to a restaurant, if you're going to get groceries, you can get money back by using the Upside app. All you have to do to get started is download the free Upside app, use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. All you have to do is go through the process just like you normally would using your card and whatnot. And when you're buying on Upside, hit the check-in at the business and pay as usual. It's that simple. So download the free app at Upside and then use promo code LOCKED and you'll get $5 back on your first purchase of $10 or more. It's a steal. I don't know why you wouldn't. Carter, I think you do it. I do it. They should do it mm-hmm. as well. Absolutely. All right. So let's let's flip sides here. Let's let's talk about what the Gophers fans need to know about Northwestern. Now, from the quick research, the quick facts that I was doing with this Northwestern team, let's talk about defense first. It okay. seems like Northwestern's run defense isn't very good. Is that, is that putting it lightly or I guess does Mo Ibrahim in the process of him scare you off or what is the concern with that run defense? You know, when, when I've watched them this year, it just like, it's really interesting because in certain spots, they kind of bow up and show that, that, that they have some, some fight to them in, in, in the run game. I mean, uh, against like Nebraska in the opener, even last week, uh, I mean, you had you had C.J. Stroud, who never runs the ball. Finally, he kept some on the read option and ran a bootleg or two in there and ripped off some big runs. But 
for most of the game, they made Mayan Williams kind of earn it the whole way. And it was, it was a physical kind of grinded out game. Uh, granted the, uh, weather and the wind helped, uh, Northwestern right. kind of stay in that game. But I think if what, what I've noticed is the only team that I feel like has just blown Northwestern apart straight up the middle has really been Iowa. Uh, but teams have had a lot of success when they've found a way to get to the edge because there's a lack of speed, especially in that second level with the linebackers. If you get them running sideline to sideline, you can get the edge and you can rip off really, really, really big runs. Um, and that's kind of been the story. I mean, the Maryland game, uh, they they hung in there the whole way and then allowed the 75-yard touchdown run that was the dagger, the, the, the kind of stake through the uh, heart and that one. But I think that when you run right at them, they're not uh, maybe as bad as the numbers would say. I wouldn't say that they're good. Uh, when you run right at them, you're going to see Bryce Gallagher <laughs> make a ton of tackles. He's already close to 100 tackles this year. Uh, and, I mean, he, he had a game a couple weeks ago, I believe, where he had 16 tackles. I mean, he's he's kind of the go-to guy in the middle of the uh, defense, but that's, that's kind of how I see it. You can run on them, especially if you find a way to get to the edge. Okay, okay. And then how about pressure-wise? Has Northwestern found success in that sack production in creating pressure on the quarterback? I feel like that's been Minnesota's weakness, especially with Tanner in there, uh, not as mobile. If the pressure gets there, that's when this team struggles offensively. So how has the pressure been for Northwestern's defense? You know, it maybe hasn't been exactly what uh, I I was hoping coming into the year. Uh, out of Tamawa, out of Barre, he made... Bruce Feldman's freaks list. And uh, I would have thought he would have maybe posted a number closer to like seven sacks, but he's sitting at four. He's probably the best at coming off the uh, edge, but at times it feels like he tries to kind of go power rush moves and maybe doesn't, doesn't get as far uh, against some really big uh, tackles. And then you've got Ryan Johnson second on the team with just two sacks. So there's not, there's not a lot of sack production. It's pretty similar to uh, Minnesota. I think I was looking okay. at the stats uh, yesterday, I believe, and not a lot of sack per production. The uh, linebackers have a few, and then you uh, you have Cam Mitchell, the uh, star corner, kind of. He has he has one as well on a blitz, but the defensive line, not a lot of 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 production in terms of sacks at all. And that's, that's uh, music. That's music to any Gopher fans' ears. That's mm-hmm. what we want to hear. So it's a weakness at least for sure. You're, <laughs> you're taking some stress off of the fans' hearts over here. <laughs> but let's flip to the offense. We have to talk about the Minnesota native running back Evan Hull. Um, it seems like he absolutely was going ballistic to start the season, and it seems like it might have slowed down over the course. What's going on with the run game, and how, what are you expecting coming into this one? Well, they're they're gonna feed him because he's far and away the best player on the offense. Um, his start was blazing, absolutely blazing. It was really fun to watch. He was good in week zero. He was good in week two against Duke. Actually, against Duke, he had one of the weirdest stat lines I've ever seen. I think he had like seventeen rushes for sixty-five yards, and then maybe maybe he had a touchdown if I recall, but. He had 14 receptions for 213 yards in that game. 
And literally, they just decided, okay, we're going to throw it to Evan Holt almost every play. And he put the team on his back, brought him all the way back from a 21-0 deficit. And then my heart broke for him. He's diving across the goal line to tie the game as time expires and he fumbles at the half yard line into the end zone and duke fell on it to 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 seal that that win uh and that's i mean to be honest with you that's kind of the story of the offense the (laughs) offense finds a way to to have really inopportune turnovers um and when they happen they kind of happen in bunches they've had a fumbling issue this year for sure uh but really what what kind of stalled it out was when was when Ryan Holinsky started really, really well when against N- N- Nebraska in that game in Dublin was the best that we'd seen him. And then even against Duke, it was pretty good. I mean, and so you had this this feeling of even when he was at South Carolina, even in year one at at, at Northwestern, this was a version of Ryan Holinsky we had not seen. He was comfortable back behind the offensive line. He had time. He was going through his progressions. He was on time, on target. He even talked about how there was like no stress back there for him. And then the Southern Illinois game happened against a defense that to that point was allowing 380 passing yards a game. And he was just rattled. And the passing game has never really been the same since that point. That was was definitely my question, because I feel like (laughs) if you look at where Northwestern's passing offense ranks within the country, it's higher than I was expecting, but does that come from that early success then? Because definitely, I mean, I, I I think a decent amount. I mean, at one point, I think through maybe three or four weeks of the year, they were number one in the country. Also in plays run, they were running like 87 or 89 plays a game. So they were, they at least give Northwestern some credit. They were trying to change the, the identity of what the offense has been for so long. Um, and Holinsky, I mean, he threw for 300-plus yards against Nebraska. He threw for 400-plus against Duke. And then he kind of came crashing down to earth, started turning the ball over a bunch, and that's when they turned the reins over to Brendan Sullivan, who kind of – he may not be as as true of a pocket passer, but when he does throw it, he's been pretty decent – uh, like, I, I don't think he's a guy you're going to see go out there and throw for 300 yards, but he is a more of a dual threat guy. Um, and then of course, last week, the, the run game got going again because they ran wildcat for what felt like 80% of the offensive snaps. And it was every snap. Brendan Sullivan was under center. It felt like, and then he would sprint out to, to the <laughs> receiver spot and it'd be a direct snap. And look, I mean, they're, they're going to run the ball a ton. It may not have a lot of success, but they know Evan Hull is the best player on the offense. They know Cam Porter is a guy that they like a lot. Even Andrew Clare, the third string running back, he's a captain on this team. He's a guy that at in different moments this year has had a little bit of success. This offense runs through the uh, running backs and this offensive line that's shuffled around, but does have a decent amount of, of experience up front. All right, so my final question for you on the Northwestern side is, in order for Northwestern to pull an upset here and get the victory against Minnesota, who is the player that has to step up and put the team on their back? Oh, I would say you really need you need a breakout game, I feel like, out of out of a guy like Donnie Navarro. Kind of he's been a 
a kind of short pass like receiver has not gotten. He's the clear number two behind Malik Washington uh, was previously at Illinois. And before that, um, I'm drawing a blank. He was an FCS school, but he transferred into Illinois, then ended up at Northwestern. He's somebody that he's going to be back there in the return game, returning punts. Uh, if he can flip the field a couple times, if he can make a few big catches uh, and help the pass game get going, Northwestern should be able to maybe hang in better than some people expect. And But every time I say that, it just <laughs> it gets flipped on its head, like, like the Iowa game. I was like, this is a 13-6 ball game all the way. And then they allowed 33 points to a team averaging 14. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the story with this team is that you get an inconsistent week to week performance when they show up. They can fight with you for sixty minutes, but have really forgotten how to win that win a game since uh, August. I feel you. I feel you. Well, I'll I'll kind of let us shift gears into maybe a little bit of Big Ten talk overall. Well, but 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 first we we need, we need to shout out our our, our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at Bet Online. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Hi, and thank you for making both of our podcasts the uh, your first listen for anything Northwestern and Minnesota. For your next listen, check out Locked On the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I'm 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 ready, man. Let's let's. Let's kind of talk through this, the uh, Big Ten that I feel like a really interesting league, especially in the Big Ten West this year. Yeah, the West really seemed like it was up for grabs for the most part. But Illinois, Illinois surprised a lot of people this year, I think. And I think they can almost practically lock up the West if they beat Purdue this week. They would have to lose their next two games in order to even give anybody else a shot. Do you think Illinois ends up being the representative for the West, or do you think it could get crazy here? Do you think it's a possibility that Purdue and Michigan both get victories against them in these upcoming matches? Well, I think, I mean, I think Michigan is going to get, to get a win over them for sure. I don't know. I mean, this, this, this conference has just been, the Big Ten West has kind of been how I, uh, well, maybe maybe not as much for 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 Northwestern, who only has the win over the uh, second to last team in the Big Ten West. But I was like, <laughs> pretty much anybody can beat anybody in the Big Ten West on any given week, and it's kind of the way I talked about uh, the 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 Big Twelve this year as well. Uh, you know, I just got a weird feeling that that Illinois kind of the 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 clock has struck midnight and maybe that they're going to collapse down the stretch here. I don't know. What do, what do you think? You know, I would welcome that. I would, that <laughs> slim chance Gophers fans are holding on to. We need Illinois to lose two and Purdue to lose one against Northwestern or uh, IU. So if, if y'all can do that for us, if you can take that mantle on, take them down first, let us win this week. I mean, of course we got to win out. 
But uh, if y'all could take Purdue down and then Illinois could lose too, that would be perfect. Uh, yes. I think in the end, though, Illinois probably comes out of this one. Yeah, I'm like my my mind tells me that, but then like for just for some reason, I got a weird gut feeling that they're gonna fall apart uh, on us <laughs> here. But I mean. Yeah, y'all, y'all obviously have a better chance of making the uh, championship game. I think there's literally everybody has to lose in very specific manners, and Northwestern has to win out, and then there's a scenario where they can get in the the Big Ten championship game <laughs> four and eight. And I think I think in that scenario, I was I was playing it out in my head just for fun. Like if they go four and eight and win the Big Ten, and then are five and eight. They don't go to a bowl game. Oh, that would be wild. That would, that would be, be super wild. Yeah, you know, I, I've, I've done research on it. It's never happened where a team a team has won the conference, had a losing record, and not been able to go to to a bowl. But uh, sadly, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, flipping it to the East. Then, who do you think comes out with the crown in the East? Do you think it's Ohio State or do you think it's Michigan? I think it comes down to that final week game, probably. Oh, I, so, absolutely, absolutely. You'd have to have um, some sort of epic collapse by both of them for it not to come down to them. I have talked myself back and forth on the Ohio State Michigan thing. Part of me wonders if Michigan's just still built this year to give Ohio State major issues, but at the same time, we haven't really seen a full strength Ohio State at any point this year. Mm-hmm. If they get Jackson Smith and Jigba back, well, now you've got two first round guys on the outside. You've got a bunch of running backs who are really, really good. And you've got a potentially Heisman winning quarterback, although he may have cracked the door weirdly enough with, so I got my my other d- degree from Auburn, and weirdly enough, he cracked the door for freaking Bo Nix to win a Heisman, which is just <laughs> the most nuts thing ever. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I'm gonna go Ohio State because because I think they get healthy, and I think that there's re- revenge on the brain in that game, and I think that they they may uh, try to get some payback. How how about you? What do, how do you see this playing out? I'm going to actually run with Michigan on this one. I didn't think I would catch myself saying that, but I feel like Ohio State has had little flashes where they've shown there can be some chinks in the armor. Mm-hmm. And I think Michigan is the team that can capitalize on that. I feel like Michigan's played in some close ones in the halves against Rutgers, like we saw against Penn State, like we saw. And then all of a sudden, Rutgers, that second the half. 38 point second half with right, that, that second half in both of that Penn State and the Rutgers games just absolutely blew the doors off. So I feel like they're really good at adjustments in that second half. And I think that game might come down to who can make the best adjustments. You know what's crazy? I didn't realize this until I saw it today. Ohio State has yet to play a single score game all year long. That's not wild. a single one has has been within a, a single score. And I, well, and I think, at some point, a close game's got to catch them, right? Right, right, exactly. And they haven't had to handle that. So that's another point of maybe that just becomes too much for Ohio State. Fair enough. Right, I, I, think, wanna, I think that's a, that, that's a pretty good pick. I want to ask one question to you real quick, and we can kind of wrap this thing up, even though we could go for hours on this. We could probably go for hours on (laughs) Big Ten talk, but you'll have to listen to Lockdown Big Ten for all of that. Um, The question I have for you is the season's been rough, and there's been a couple of those for Northwestern. 
are you still fully behind Fitzgerald as the coach, or do you think it's time for them to at least open discussion for anybody else? I mean, there might be discussions, but I come back to like coming into the year, my thought process was fit like fits. This is the hardest place to win in the Big Ten. It's the hardest place for a multitude of reasons. The biggest one for me, as someone who's also worked in this space as well, Northwestern's the only team in the Big Ten that does not have an NIL collective currently. And okay. you can't survive in the in the current uh, collegiate sports space without one. Um, I think he's a top 15, top 20 coach. And if they got rid of him, who do they turn to? And like, who's going to do a better job? I think there's going to be extensive changes on the staff, mm-hmm. but I just, to me, it would be foolish to get rid of the guy who's literally been the best, the, the best coach in the history of the program. I think there's five total 10 win seasons in Northwestern's history. Three have been with Fitz as a coach. One has been with Fitz as a player. Like this guy is Northwestern football. If you get rid of him, what just what's the plan? And I don't think that, that there would be one. And that's why I think he's going to stay. What about you? How, how do the fans at Minnesota kind of feel about PJ Fleck? I know you said that it's a little up in the air. Worst case scenario, best case scenario. What are the uh, two options here? If you look at what PJ Fleck has been doing for the Gophers, he's been building this program up and he's changed the expectation. The team expects to try to get that division title now. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have said that prior to PJ Fleck. We're we're trying to get bowl game eligible times before that. The team has 14 plus players in the NFL in the last four drafts. Like the development and the progress is there. The recruiting classes might not be top 20 right now, but it's it's building and it's growing. So the expectations have changed and fans are getting impatient now because now they want they want Big Ten Conference championships and they want to be the contender, which I understand. But at the same time, this point you said about Fitzgerald is very similar to PJ Fleck for me of who are you going to find that wants to be here in Minnesota, wants to stay and is not going to get pulled away by the money that will do better. I just don't see it out there. I think that what he's doing, what he's building is great for the program, and it's putting Minnesota at least on the map, and we're getting more looks in different areas. So I'm all for keeping him. I'm all for supporting him and watching it continue to build. I like that. Well, quickly, we've got a couple minutes here before I think it's going to kick us out. But uh, score prediction, how do you see this thing playing out? I'm going to go Gophers. 24 Northwestern 10. That's what I got for this one. That's not far off from mine. I said, I, I said Minnesota uh, 27 Northwestern 13. That's, that's, that's what I've got. So we're, we're, we're close. Just, just a couple extra field goals in there. And yeah, <laughs> it'll, Hey, it, it'll be fun to, to, to see how it shakes out on, on Saturday. For sure. Well, thank you again for taking the time. Thank you fans for listening and making sure that you tune into these crossovers each week because who else is bringing you content like this? So thank you. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube for both channels and follow wherever you get your podcasts. This is Kane Rob signing off. Carter Bird signing off. Thanks again. See you.